We're back for season two. Yes, it's bigger. It's badder. It's... Oh, just get on with it. Bad scripts. Hello and welcome back to Bad Scripts Podcast. My name is Steve Jones and on the other end of the line, joining me from many miles away, none other than the ever thoughtful, kind and caring Mr. Mike Garlia. Good evening, Mike. Hello, Steve. How are you? I am extremely well. And how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Very well. I'm looking forward to the summer coming in. We're almost there now. We're, there's news of heat waves happening and all that kind of jazz. So uh, something to look forward to. And of course, the Queen's centenary coming in June as well. And uh, Oh, wow. Centenary. Bloody is it centenary? Jubilee. I meant the Jubilee. <laughs> it wouldn't be me if I didn't do some. Sorry. The Queen's <laughs> Jubilee coming in, um, coming in June as well. And uh, something, you know, whether you're a royalist or not, it's definitely something worth uh, paying your respect for. Because um, I can't imagine working that long, can you? Well, I, I, this is it, isn't it? It's a long old time to be doing it. But it's the only thing I think the Queen's ever known. So, you know, since the 1950s, she's been she's been doing this and she's thinking, you know, and, and I think a lot of people who don't retire young find that the job is what keeps them young, what keeps them going. And, you know, for a lady of her age, she's she's a corker. She's still going strong, you know. And yeah. She is a corker. I, let's just imagine what her performance reviews look like then. I mean, after been after you've been doing this job for 80 years or however long it's been, <laughs> you know, is it now time to go, you know what? You're not very good at your job, are you? <laughs> not saying she's think, not good at a job. No, but... no. That would never happen, though, would it really, I, th- I think. And I, I think, you know, you are literally the highest person in the land who's going to tell you you're not doing a good job. There's not, there's not anybody, is there, that's going to turn around and say, I'll tell you who, God rest his soul, Prince Philip, he didn't care. He would always say it. Yeah. Um, I, I, but, you I, know, everyone needs coaching. Um, I might put myself forward and, and see if uh, if mom wants, uh, wants a little bit of um, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of development in there as well. Leadership development, perhaps. I could, uh, could put a little bit of a, a pitch in and see if she's up for it. Now, Mike, I think what you're doing at the moment is making a pitch about your day job. So we need to be careful here. Where we do, we don't we don't overstep a line here about you. You know, um, pimping yourself out to our audience. That's that's absolutely fine. Well, well, it never worked last time when uh, you openly invited people to have a bath with me, and I didn't get a single response. Yeah. Um, so we we do apologise if anybody was offended by the thought of having a bath with Mike. If anybody was genuinely interested, then please do let us know. He still has 32 bottles of Radox that he ordered um, in advance. The red one too. Hoping the red one. The red one. Not the, not the, the, not the cheapo blue one. It was the red one. It's, it's the one um, that gives you a nice little warm tinge when you get out. You know, like a feeling, a ooh, relaxation. Oh, like that original source stuff when you do that tea tree one. That's it's a like, That's a It's tingler. like aftershock, but for the skin. Yeah, absolutely. Makes you shudder a little bit. <laughs> now we've gone off on a real tangent there we've gone from the queen to aftershocks to tingly bubble bath i think that's that's quite a way <laughs> to start <laughs> to start a day um what shall we recap a little bit about what happened in the last episode and we had mark and uh donna having their conversation around um donna's future 
and about what she was going to do and and some opportunities for her to go and work with uh, Auntie Pam in the kids club. So an opportunity to get away from the situation she wasn't really enjoying. Um, and of course, Bernie's found his uh, found his story for his show. And Glenn's big announcement about the extra building uh, luxury apartments on on the site, which means that on you know Bernie's uh, advice, the entertainers are going to be moving into caravans now. As far as we're concerned, that's quite reminiscent because we did end up living in in caravans when we moved in. That's how myself and yourself met. I mean, regular listeners may well know this, but. We, sh- we were placed in a caravan together and that's how we first met. And 23 years later, we're still the best of friends. Had you had you lived in a caravan before we, we met or was that your first time in a sort of static? And for our, for our friends in, in the States, it's like a, a trailer park, essentially, when we talk about caravans. Um, it's a static um, trailer that, that, that uh, has legs and can only be moved with like a tractor. So... Um, what was was that your first experience of a static caravan, or have you you been in one before? I've certainly been in one before. When I was, uh, I remember distinctly with my cousins going to uh, a seaside resort, and we all stayed in a three berth caravan, and there was about twelve of us, um, and uh, we all slept on the floor. And I think my cousin got in Pitago because of that, uh, sleeping <laughs> on the dirty floor, which serves them right. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, that was my only experience of, of actually staying in a caravan. And uh, yeah, it's so funny when you say the leg, the legs are on breeze blocks. So they're yeah. not, it looks like a sharp wind would knock them over. And oh. they are hooked up to, to external kind of gas cylinders, which you'd need to put a, a call in when you run out of gas. And uh, in a word, carnage. Because when you take a bunch of young people and you dump <laughs> them in a site away from everybody else where they're kind of contained, it became... It became a bit of a 24-hour party, um, if I remember rightly. And I did, we did cover this before, actually, because I did say we were in a caravan when that girl, the carry girl, decided to join me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and But our caravan was, it was the, um, and, and this is a friend's reference, it was the, the central perk of, of the resort because everybody had to go past our caravan to get to their own. So everybody stopped in didn't they? they? There was a constant stream of people dropping by our caravan every day to say hello, to have a chat. It was like a, an epicentre of, of conversation. It's true. It's true. I, just, I remember you sitting there with a blanket over your knees and people would just come in and bring you goods and fruit and, and kind of like the kind of like offerings. Wine offerings. Yeah. And yeah. they just leave it and you just kind of look at them and you shake and, your hand yeah. um, at them and they'd, they'd leave again. Um, yeah, I remember that yeah. distinctly. And I used to man the door um, and, uh, you know, and, and inspect <laughs> people's wares. And if it wasn't yeah. good enough, I'd send them on the way. Yeah, exactly. And then they'd be damned. Absolutely. <laughs> we, 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 we um, no, it's the reality was uh, you and I did meet for the first time in this three birth caravan uh, that we were sharing with another member um, mm. of the team as well. Um, if I remember rightly, this individual um, was was a fan of peak practice, a fan of a TV show. Um, yeah, and he no, he'd be. Uh, say he was a fan of it. He'd been in it. He'd been an extra. I uh, didn't stop talking about it. But the, the thing for me that got me in and now yourself and and me were reasonably homely boys. We we'd grown up knowing how to take care of ourselves, so we knew how to 
cook and clean and wash and do all the things you need to do when you live alone. Now, this guy... Right, yeah, you keep saying that. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Uh, we didn't always do it to the highest of qualities, but we knew how to. But this guy that we live with, he literally... for the, I mean, he wasn't there long, was he? He didn't stay for long. But every meal he had was just Burger King. That was every meal he had. He did just like his meat. He did like his meat, and he mixed it up with chicken and beef, um, which was always good to see. He'd get his five a day with some lettuce and mayo. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, he, um, I'm not sure if we were the problem. I mean, imagine living with you and I. We're quite extroverted yeah. people. And as you said, there was a constitution of people just going by. And this guy, I think he was quite introverted and probably a little bit shy and, uh, mm. and fancied, himself, uh, fancied himself joining the cast of uh, that 1990s sitcom, uh, sick drama series. Um, yeah. But just on that point you made there, Steve, and, and I think for the appreciation of transparency and honesty, I don't think we were that good at cleaning. No, we were good at cleaning. It was what we... It, we, we, we cleaned the actual caravan. The problem was we were far too lazy to empty the bin. So the rest of the caravan looked fine. But we, we did have what we call, what, the, what was the term for it? The cupboard of shame? The cupboard of shame. Before we get to the cupboard of shame, though, um, in that kind of community, there was only a couple of hoovers. So you had to track down the hoover. Mm. Who got the hoover? It. Who got the hoover? So we'd always have to go around and look for the vax or whatever yeah. it was. Um, and if you got the hoover, then you quids in and you could do you could do the hoovering. But if you didn't, then you'd, uh, you'd have to... You know what you were doing then? You were brushing on brushing. carpet, oh. using a brush on carpet, and you, were, you could see the dust just jump up and then jump back down as you brushed it. And you're like, no, we're not getting anywhere. But we um, did have a bin of shame. And I think it got to that point where um, it was like a closet with mm -hmm. a bin in it, and the bin just filled up so high and then piled high again and then continued to pile high that we decided that ignorance was bliss and it was right next to my bedroom as well it was uh, <laughs> which was adjacent to the bathroom yeah and um and yeah we just decided that you know what i think we both reached a decision a conscious one to say it's kind of bad we don't both don't want to go in there because it's sealed and if we if we start messing around it's going to release a whole flurry of whatever's in there so we'll just Odors. leave it and ignore it yeah <laughs> which we did we shamelessly ignored it for but, months but, but you know what by magic it disappeared it did disappear. It just disappeared. Overnight, it disappeared. It seemed to coincide, I think, with one of our parents coming to visit um, and us going to work. Uh, but still to this day, I, I, I don't know 100% what I, happened. I do think, I, my, I do think um, a parent, who shall not be named, mm -hmm. did go into that caravan. Because I do remember a conversation where they said, what the hell is wrong with you two? <laughs> I am absolutely horrified when I opened up that cupboard. Mm -hmm. Can you not smell that? And we went, no idea what you smell what? about. <laughs> and, uh, and they did, and it was clean. And to be fair, mm. we never let it get in that state again. No, but we learned a lesson. We, we learned some really bad habits. Steve, you're the one that introduced me to the concept of boiling um, tinned hot dog sausages in the kettle and then yep. making a cup of tea afterwards that tasted like brine. Yeah, it um, was. Briny tea. It's like, you know, it's like a seafaring um speciality so you know okay and and also uh the chip pan we had a real oh. chip pan that i don't think we ever oh, changed that, that was incredible you know when the, when the fat solidified and then you'd have to <laughs> melt it before you could put the chips in but you never changed the fat and it just stayed and then it, it cooled Six down months. and solidified and yeah easily 
easily. But you know, two, what? two o'clock in the morning, making a full gourmet burger and chips. Wasted, absolutely time. wasted as well. Um, but you know what? We never got sick. <laughs> that was the thing. We never got ill because we were obviously our immune systems were that <laughs> attuned to fighting all of this stuff. We never got ill. So you that's know our, that, well, that's our caravan story. Uh, we will be mm. sharing and um, feeding the stories through the script because we've got a few th- more things and, and stuff like yeah. that. Because, um, you know, when, when Dan did leave, it did leave a spare room that was occupied by someone else. And all that will be revealed in due course. But if you've lived in a caravan, you know how intimate it really is and how unprivate. You're talking paper thin walls. You can hear absolutely uh-huh. everything yeah. Um, yeah. all the time. So you have to have a sense of discipline when it's in mm. there but uh, as you said you know we had a constant stream of visitors and people coming through so it was very difficult to sleep sometimes when you know there's there's a party going on and we made some adjustments to our caravan as well to make it a bit homely we took cupboard doors off for some reason to fit old so we could fit the videos into yeah. the uh, into the storage system because it was it was fine you know what i mean it was one of those because this was an old caravan it wasn't a brand new modern one it was a proper 70s fake lead uh, like lead, uh, leaded windows and things, so it it definitely didn't scream cool. And we'd have rather had the videos on display than those chavy cupboard doors. So we we kind of uh, modified that. And I know I had two single beds as well in my room, which I pushed together, um, and then got a double sheet sort of wrapped around it. So, uh, but then I used to sort of find myself falling through the gap in the middle as it sort of spread as I as I fidgeted in my sleep. And would end up sort of in a like a hammock situation, sleeping. So, but you know what? Some of the best days of our lives were spent in that caravan. Some of the funniest days of our lives. I do believe that you laid claim to the lounge area of your as your sleeping pad um, after but the at bed times, it wasn't working out. Yeah, yeah. At times, it was that I would sleep in that in that. And, and you had a really comfy quill. I used to quite like snuggling into that when you wasn't yeah. in. I know, um, I know you did. Yeah, don't worry. But but you know what? that that's uh that's by the by now um <laughs> we we had a lot of fun in that caravan we had a a lot of adventures and hopefully some of those adventures will find their way into a later part of the season so what do we say we jump back into the script and find out what's happening next down at the last resort exterior fairground day robin and paula on manning the Helter Skelter. Robin is handing out mats to children as they approach, and Paula is using a clicker to count the number of riders. They appear to be somewhat lacklustre in their approach to this task. All I'm saying is, I didn't sign up for another season to stand here doing this. It's so degrading. I mean, I performed for Prince Andrew's birthday once. Hottest day of the year. I'm surprised he wasn't sweating his tits off wearing all that navy gear. Dry as a bone he was. I don't mind it, to be fair, standing here. You don't have to do much of anything. There's no walking around pretending to be nice to people. I'm an entertainer, a performer, not some dirty oik. Last year I was doing it. The boy band was going well. I was in several of the shows. I thought this year I'd be doing some of the main cast work you know dropping the camp code duties and just doing shows it's the only way i can get into equity yeah donna was telling me how good your band is can't wait to see you guys do a proper gig oh well don't hold your breath it's not much fun at the minute aren't you doing the shows with judy she said something in the meeting last week 
think there's been a bit of a change of plan. Seems this big production Mr. DeCosta's working on is going to have open auditions. Surely last year and the amazing work I did was audition enough. So anyone can audition. What's the show about? When is it? Oh, it's, it's tomorrow. As for the show, something about time travel? No one seems to know, really. Paula shrugs her shoulders. Well, I'm sure you're assuming to get a starring role. I look at it this way. If you don't, you can always travel the country with the carny folk. <laughs> I always wanted to live in a caravan. Or a, a trailer park. Sounds more redneck to me. I do look good in a good plaid shirt and ripped dungarees. I'd learn to play the spoons by way of evening entertainment. <laughs> Drinking homemade moonshine you crafted in your own toilet. Oh, that is the dream. Chatting up strange boys with what a pearly mouth you have. What? I don't get that. Oh, it's it's from that film, the the three guys who get lost in the woods. No, I've never seen that. Oh, you have. It's the famous line. Squeal, piggy, squeal. You know, the, the, the kid with the banjo. God, what's it called? Weird. Robin doesn't look too impressed for a moment. Then suddenly both him and Paula burst into a fit of laughter. Oh, hey, what's so funny here? Come on, share the joke. I like a good laugh. Robin and Paula regain their composure as they stand facing Paul, a small and slight man in his mid-thirties, his thinning hair scraped back into a tight ponytail, somewhat resembling a yippee reimagining of Mr Burns from The Simpsons. A yippee or a yuppie? It should have been a yuppie, but yippee, oh. yippee, yippee. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, Robin was just telling me how much he fancied you. Yeah, but but Paula said she'd fight me if I came anywhere near you, so I, I swore to never act on the impulses. Robin and Paula start to snicker again playfully. Paula is unaware of their sarcasm and looks flattered at the attention. Well... There's plenty of me to go around, you know. Let's not make any rash judgments. Paul looks at his clipboard before looking up at Robin. And what delights have you got for me now, handsome? I need you on the paraglider next to cover for Brian. Paula, can you do another hour on there? Oh, the joys. Please stop. People will think you're giving me favours because of our hot and steamy chemistry, you know. Paul laughs and blushes slightly. Robin and Paula are winking at each other, enjoying their little game. All jokes aside, can you wax the slide, though, please? <laughs> yeah, the last time I saw anything that dry, it was in Judy's knickers. It's a health and safety issue when it's that dry. The slide or Judy? You can't help but feel sorry for a husband, can you? That's enough now, eh? I like a laugh with the best of them, but we got guests to serve. Aye, aye, Captain. Robin snaps his heels together and salutes. Hey, might see you at that audition then tomorrow, if you don't mind me tagging along. Should be a laugh. Yes, by all means, my dear. The more, the merrier. Watch a master craftsman at work. I'll need to work on my act. Oh, what are you going to do? I've got a comedy routine about toilets. Interesting, I think. It's the lowest form of humour possible. Robin skips off towards the paraglider ride as Paula laughs again. So, 
You want to grab a drink then later? Paula looks repulsed by the idea, but tries to remain composed. As tempting as it sounds, Paul, our names are just too similar. It wouldn't work. I'll just have to admire you from afar. As Paul is about to reply, Paula hugs him. Robin, in the distance, turns and sees this, bursting out laughing and stopping to watch. No, don't say anything. It's just too hard. Just go now. Leave me with my dreams of what might have been. Paula lets him go and turns her back on him, hiding her face, so Paul can't see the laughter trying to break through. Paul looks perplexed and looks again at his clipboard before turning on his heels and walking away back to the office. Robin, in the distance, claps and mimes the word, Bravo! Paula does a little curtsy over this unintentional performance. Can I have a go? The kid holds his hands up, awaiting a map from Paula, who duly obliges, still laughing, and Paul stumbles his way through the queuing guests. There we go. So well we've, met, we've met Paul. 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 Now, he's a charming fella, isn't he? <laughs> he of, is one of a kind. He's yeah. unique. Full of charisma, we'd say, Paul. Yeah, he's got the charm, you can tell. Just the way he talks, <laughs> the way he articulates himself, he's got that charm. What is he, a, a, a yuppie Mr Burns type character? That, I think that's his, that's his aesthetic, isn't it? If you were looking at somebody who's very slight and, and bony, a little bit hunchy, a little bit, you know, and that, that sort of lank hair that's scraped back, uh, yeah, like the cut of his jib. Um, it was nice to see that that uh, Robin's found a bit of a kindred spirit in Paula. There, the levels of sarcasm seem to they seem to flow quite nicely with their with their um, you know their uh, observational humour um, and a little bit of fun for them. Yeah, it's nice to cover off some some non work related chat, I suppose, and and just have a you know because that's true, isn't it? That's what people do. We we break off. You know, look at how we started the podcast today <laughs> exactly it's um it's always good to pass the time a little bit and and enjoy something that perhaps breaks the monotony because i know i mean i've worked on a helter skelter in the fairground before and it's really boring when you get into your fourth or fifth hour of just handing mats out to people especially these guys who are entertainers and they've come to do the job of entertaining and then they're landed with or oh, go and just click a clicker and count the number of rides each hour do we do we need to say. describe what a helter skelter is? Is that is that commonly known what a helter skelter? I, is? I think it's pretty well known worldwide what a helter skelter is, but the circular slide that goes around the outside of a staircase that you climb up to slide the slide, and usually ridden on sort of a, a hemp or a hessian mat to get you down the, the the bottom. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is called mansplaining. <laughs> but don't you? And do you know what mansplaining means? It means then explaining. There you go. So I've mansplained mansplaining for you. <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, you did mansplain me to mansplain my point and joke on the mansplaining. So thanks for that. Well, you know, I thought if we we're going to do it, we may as well double down. <laughs> anyway, before we get sidetracked once more, let's carry on to the next scene. Interior, dance studio, day. The room is crowded with camp coats and other people all lining up against the wall, stretching, chatting and getting ready for the auditions to start. The door opens and in walks Bernie, accompanied by Judy, 
They each have clipboards, and Daisy walks in behind, carrying a box of stationery and numbers. The room quietens immediately as Bernie takes centre stage. Daisy begins getting her table ready. Darlings, attention please. Welcome professionals and um, uh, the rest of you. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming along. Today marks the start of our chorus casting. And as such, we'll be focusing on the dancers. If you are here as a singer or actor, then those auditions will start this afternoon. Um, everyone here will need to register with Daisy uh, and take a number. Uh, as you each in turn come forward, state your number clearly before you begin your audition. We're making history here. The show is the first of its kind, and many a star will be born from this unique opportunity. Um, I'm looking for the very best talent. I won't accept subpar. So if you think you've got what it takes, then bring your A-games. This is the big leagues now, darlings. Your chance to live the dream you've always had. Some won't make it. And if you don't, learn from the experience. Train and improve and try again. We're in the business of making great shows. That's why we call it show business. Now, show me what you've got. The crowd of young performers all whoop and clap with genuine buzz and excitement. Judy steps forward and hushes everyone down. Now, can we have all of the dancers to the left, please? Line up and state your name to Daisy, who will give you a number. For everyone else, please kindly make your way to the green room and wait in there till called. Are there any questions? Ali is in the mix of dancers. She raises her hand. Yes. I was just wondering, is there a dance routine we should follow? Judy is about to answer when Bernie cuts her off. Dance routines are for showgirls, darling. All of the dancers suddenly look confused. Judy looks annoyed. It'll be freestyle. In groups of four. You'll be dancing too. Judy looks down at her clipboard and then back at Bernie, who smiles motionless. <clears throat> You'll be dancing too. Reach for the stars. Any further questions? No? Then let's get to it. Performers leave the room as the dancers line up to register themselves with Daisy. Bernie stands next to an annoyed-looking Judy. Bernie whispers and smiles through gritted teeth. Oh, do cheer up, darling. Your face looks like a slapped ass. Let's just get on with this, shall we? Their music starts and a montage of dancers each come forward to dance their hearts out. Ali is amongst them and performs well smiling and maintaining eye contact. Bernie and Judy make notes as they walk around various waves of dancers. Is that the song? When the world <laughs> leaves you feeling blue. That one. So it's going to be quite an energetic routine because that's quite a fast song. Um, yeah. And it's really fast beat. So I'm... I guess it's going to be a freestyling reach for the stars. I mean, yeah. all you do, if it was there's going to be a lot of finger flicking and, yeah. and box steps and stuff, isn't there? There's going to be a lot of yeah. And but but I think I think that you know that whole line about um, 
you know, uh, routines of a show goes, because Bernie's got nothing. He's literally writing the show as they're auditioning. So he doesn't have a routine for them to form, which I think is why he's saying that, you know, the, the showgirls bit is, it's an excuse to get people on board and, and basically can use their talent to create the, yeah, and at that point, we just want to thank our guest, Alison, um, who gave us that line during the special when she was when that really happened. So she was auditioning for Bretton Hall uh, Dance Academy, very famous dance school. We asked her permission and she allowed us to put it into the show. So, Ali, thank you very much. And, the, and there we as we promised, it would go in and it is in. And it, that was great. And, and you know what? The auditions thing is it's a scary and exciting time for performers. So I don't know anybody that's not ever been in that that line of work and not had to go into these auditions it can be really transactional really kind of intense and you know what if your number's not called you're out you know it's very it can be very ruthless don't you think mike i do um you know and it's so there's one of a few ways it can really go is when you first go in there and you're assessing the room you're seeing how many people know each other and the amount of people that know each other and are friends with each other are the ones that do the circuit and audition for quite a lot of things. So therefore, you know that those, um, the auditioners, so the, the production company or whatever, they'll know these guys already. And then there's you who knows nobody. And then you're like, how do I stand out from the crowd? How do I make myself known? Yeah. And then you look at some of the talent and you think, yeah, I should not be here at all. <laughs> but that's it. You get that little pang of imposter syndrome and that feeling of, oh, I'm not good enough for this. Look at this. The, the, but I guess a lot of people feel that, and it's is how we mask it. We talked about this before, you know. We even at, at the level of camp coat work, you know, the amount of people that felt like they were just making it up, and they didn't, they weren't as as um, confident and as self assured as 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 other people were. So I guess it's a perspective thing with this when you're in those kind of situations. It, it, it really is. And I once did uh, an audition down in Pineapple Studios when I was young and 18. Mm. And, um, and that was for a, a boy band. I don't know who it was. Uh, yeah. And I remember getting a call back for it and thinking so, oh, my God, I got a call back. I have to go in. And my first audition was really good and I was dancing away. And then I went into my second audition. And like that, there was about four of us that went in. And mm. I had to follow this, this, uh, this guy. Um, this Asian guy who was absolutely magnificent at breakdancing and he was flipping and do, he was on the floor and all that. And I don't know what it was in my mind. Now I can't breakdance and I've never been able to, <laughs> but in my mind, influenced by this greatness I'd just seen, I decided to give it a go during the audition. And I ended up on the back, on my floor, on the floor, with nowhere to go. And all I could do was just stand up and, and, and clap my hands together and go, thanks. And they went, yeah, thanks. And I walked out and that was it. That was the end that of your it. dream. I don't know how I ended up on the floor. I don't know whether I was trying to do the snake or I was trying to do a handstand. I think I, I tried to do two things at the same time and just ended up crashing onto my back. Um, but, you know, I gave it all I've got. And um, that that guy never never made it either. He, he got a no. In fact, we all did. But, um, yeah, that always stood in my mind of... <laughs> Don't watch anyone else. Just look at the floor yeah. and go in and did what you do first time to get the call yeah. back and I completely changed it. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes it, isn't it? You second guess things. And if you go with what you know, what impressed the first time round, you probably are onto a safer bet. But it's that sense of if you sow a seed of doubt into your mind that doing it a different way might might help you a little bit, um, you could end up doing, you know, the opposite. So interesting stuff. Interior, entertainment office, night. Wayne is sat at his desk 
eating from a pile of chips, which is smothered in curry sauce. He's clicking on his mouse, and it's smeared in curry sauce from his fingers. Kelly enters the office. Wayne notices her, hastily clicking his mouse and turning his PC monitor off. You working late? Aye, need rest for the wicked. Is everyone away? Yeah, the auditions finished a few hours ago. Everyone went home. Wayne stands up and walks to the door. He peers into the hallway and then closes the door again. Kelly walks to Mark's desk, trying not to notice. So it's uh, just the two of us, alone at last? Wayne tries to give a nice smile, unaware that there's a blob unaware that there is a blob of curry sauce on his chin. Well, what do you have in mind? Wayne walks over to Kelly and puts his hands around her waist. We haven't had any uh, alone time together at all. I'm beginning to take it personally. Oh, Wayne, we're just mega busy, aren't we? Always so much to do. I don't know how you did it before me. Well, we find ways to cope, you know. Are you enjoying it, though? Aye, I pure love it. Stressful sometimes, but you know, it's pretty cool. Wayne steps closer to Kelly, his curry-stained hands pulling her into him. I have a few tricks on relieving stress. I could show you if you like. Wayne guides Kelly to the desk, and she sits down on top of it. His hands move to her skirt as he starts to undo her zipper. Kelly stops him. No, we can't. Why? There's no one here. A court could walk in. Wayne strides to the door and locks it, returning back to Kelly. There. Now, where were we? Wayne undoes the zip on Kelly's skirt and reveals the top of her pink underwear. He leans in to kiss and she backs away. What? I just can't. It's near the right time. Well, when is the right time? Probably in about three days. Well, what does that mean? When? It's the time of the month. Oh, all right, I see. Well, I don't mind that if you still want to. I'm not that kind of girl. Kelly stands up from the desk and redoes her zipper up. Wayne looks deflated and frustrated. I'll make it up to you, all right? Promise? Kelly smiles and walks to Wayne's desk, picking up a napkin. She hands it to Wayne. Promise. Now, you have curry on your face. Wayne takes the napkin and cleans his chin. Kelly walks to the door, opens it, and steps into the hallway. We follow her as she walks towards the green room, running into Mushy P, who is topless. What are you doing? Where's your shirt? Oh, uh, watch Kelly. <laughs> I just finished shift, getting changed. I'm all sweaty. Kelly takes a good look at Mushy P's chiselled physique. Um, Do I? I thought that that was just an instruction for you rather than it being a... Kelly takes a good look at Mushy P's chiselled physique and mutters under her breath. Now that's more like it. Kelly then looks past into the green room. She spots the overflowing bins. I thought I asked you to empty those bins. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I forgot, didn't I? 
If I ask you to do something, I expect to get it done. Am I clear? Bushy P nods his head and smiles cheekily. Come on then, we'll do it together. Uh, well, I'll just put my shirt on. Kelly looks towards the entertainment's office. Well, hurry up then. Exterior, entertainment's office. Bins, night. Kelly watches Mushy P as he empties the bins into the skip and drops it down. There. <clears throat> Emptied. Mushy P claps his hands together. Wasn't hard now, was it? Is that everything, yeah? Not quite. She takes Mushy P's arm and guides him to the back of the large skip. She presses him hard against the skip and kisses him. Mushy quickly reciprocates as Kelly reaches into his trousers. You'll need to be quick. Mushy P is still surprised by the situation. Uh, okay, I'll, uh, I'll try. Kelly hitches up her skirt and pulls her pink knickers to the side. It's just a quickie, all right? Nothing more. Don't go telling anyone. Uh, well, no, I, I won't tell anyone. Kelly turns to face the skip and leans against it as Mushy positions himself behind her. Interior, entertainment's office, night. Wayne is sat back at his desk. The security monitor next to him shows a series of dull, grainy images in black and white of various paces around the entertainment complex. He doesn't pay much attention to it and the various activities happening on each camera. On his PC monitor is an advertisement saying, Dusty Brenda's X Show. Enter your credit card details for instant access. Interior, security office, night. Bob and another security guard are sat in the office, drinking tea and monitoring the screens. Oi, oi. Got a live one here, boss. What is it? Looks like a couple are about to shag near the entertainment's office. Bob leans over and looks at the small monitor. Pull it up on the big screen then. Might as well have a laugh. Bob dunks a rich tea biscuit into his mug and devours the soggy biscuit. The grainy image appears on the big screen. We can just see a female, her head turned away from the camera, leaning against a skipped, with a male taking her from behind. Again, the image isn't clear enough to make out the faces. Boss, fancy a little wager? I'm going to say uh, three minutes and 25 seconds. <laughs> go on then. Loser buys the biscuits. I'll go two minutes and 10 seconds, starting from now. Bob activates his stopwatch as the two stare intently at the screen, slowly eating the rich tea biscuits. Interior, entertainment's office, night. At the same time, the image activates on the monitor next to Wayne's desk. This captures Wayne's attention as he watches the couple having sex. He gets up quick and locks the office door, returning to his chair and undoing his jeans. He takes some curry-stained napkins into his other hand and watches the screen intently, a smile on his face. Interior, security office, night. Well done to that lad, not bad. Four minutes and 53 seconds. <laughs> I like Jaffa Cakes, boss. Interior, entertainment's office, night. 
Wayne is wiping his hands with a napkin, throws it in the bin and rezips his jeans and unlocks the office door. Lucky bastard. The security monitor goes back to its default position, showing once again various images from around the entertainment's offices. Wayne clicks the exit button on the Busty Brenda website and puts his credit card back into his wallet. Kelly enters the room, her cheeks flushed. You all right? Aye. Are you? Yeah, you, you look a bit out of breath. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's just those stairs. Ah, uh, okay. Kelly stands for a few more moments. Well, I'll be away then. Kelly walks over to Wayne and gives him a kiss on the cheek, then turns and walks towards the door. I'll hold you to that promise. Three days and counting. Kelly forces a smile and leaves the room. Ooh. What are your thoughts, Mike? Uh, uh, my thoughts haven't changed since we wrote the damn thing. Um, <laughs> well, no, of course, but what are your thoughts on, on the situation in terms of where your motivation is for this? What you think that um, would be going through Wayne's head at this moment? Because he's he's obviously oblivious to the fact that that was, that that was Kelly in that yeah, situation. Yeah, no, he, he just had a shifty to Kelly, who he's just tried it on with, who told him that it was a time of the month, who's now gone and, uh, and well, for want of a better word, boffed one of the people that, uh, that she manages. So um, Kelly takes what she wants. She doesn't care. Very dangerous game she's playing. Uh, I don't know whether this is going to come back at some point because uh, we haven't thought that far ahead. But, mm. um, yeah, I, I think... Um, I don't know. It's just situations like that really happen. I don't think that callously, but I think situations yeah. we've known situations like that to happen. And we always knew that this was going to be written in and um, yeah. we had to find an organic way to, to put that in. Plus all this, the, the, the cuts and stuff of the security guards watching it and Wayne watching it. And yeah, <laughs> so. but it's one of those things, isn't it? That, that Wayne, I think Wayne genuinely believes he's in a relationship with Kelly. I think he does. And, and Kelly sees Wayne as a means to an end but she's kind of repulsed by him because he's kind of this unkempt slob now, you know, um, doesn't take care of himself, as was clearly evident from the the uh, gargantuan amount of curry sauce the man seemed to have <laughs> sprayed about the office at that time. So well, that's definitely going to split people, curry on chips. Um... It is. That, that, is a, that is a question, isn't it? Because um, it, it's a funny one and it's divisive of where, where you are in the country. So I, I lived down South for a few years and the local chip shop did not do curry sauce. They didn't do peas. They didn't do gravy. Now as a Midlander slash Northerner, they were all a staple of what you would get in a chip shop, but you, you the chip shop I used to go to down South had none of them. What What is your favorite topping on, on a bag of chips? Uh, you can't, you can't call it a chip shop. If it doesn't have an option of curry sauce, a pickled onion, and scraps. Oh, yeah. For those, that, for those that don't know what scraps is, we used to get a bag of scraps for 10p from the chippies as a, a, a way to boost up your meal. And uh, scraps is the batter that falls off the fish that just gets fried and they scoop it all up, which is literally just batter and oil. And then you put it in a bag and you buy for 10p and you would <laughs> eat that like there's no tomorrow. That that was the childhood. Yeah. Um, so we used to have batter and sausage rather than fit. So no. Um, my favorite <laughs> topping on chips, um, 
I actually like a bit of gravy, but ever so often I like to mix it up with a bit of curry. Yeah, I do like a curry sauce, I must admit. It is, it, it just changes the meal a little bit, you know. It feels a little less traditional and a little more quirky. So, you know, it's uh, it's all a bit of fun. We used to call what you, what you called scraps, we used to call them bits. We used to say, bits. I love fish and bits. And, and, the, and, and you were obviously being ripped off because they didn't used to charge us for bits. We used to get those. They used to, if you ask for them, can I have some bits? They go and throw your pile on. So, <laughs> you know, the, the pounds we must have saved over the years, kids, compared to yourself. But there, there we go. Sausage and bits. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, so I could talk all day about um, the right, you know, the right level. When I first moved up to Scotland, actually, um, and again, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say on it, but when I first moved up to Scotland, we went on a night out and we went to a chip shop in Glasgow. And um, and I ordered sausage and chips. It, it, I was a little bit inebriated. And I was talking away to the girl who served me. And then when I opened up the box, I had two jumbo sausages in there and chips. Now, everywhere else you get, you know, when I, you get one sausage and chips, but she gave me two. I was convinced this girl fancied me and my chatter. And my pattern really worked. So I remember saying to the guys I was with, I think this girl likes me. She's giving me an extra sausage. So I walked back in bold as brass and was like, hi, you give me an extra sausage. Um, you know, uh, we must have hit it off. We must have, you know, whatever I said to her. And she said, no, you ordered a sausage supper. It comes with two sausages and chips. Next. Oh, shot down majorly on that one. But yeah, I mean, fair enough. That's 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 the way it comes. Um, another one, I guess that that reminds me of when um after we um and 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 we're given a bit of a skip forward in time here, but when when we worked um abroad after we we'd left our resort, I uh, I lived in a resort that had a it was a Scottish owned chip shop in the resort that I lived in, um and they used to batter anything you'd take in. So you could get a battered Mars bar, but their personal special a puppy, they used to a do cat, a baby. You, you could do you could do that, yeah. But they used to do half a pizza battered and deep fried. And you you, you could order that. Yeah, you get that. That's called a pizza crunch in Scotland. They love that. They love that shit. They eat that. I've never had one, <laughs> but they they that is a thing up here, you know. That's that's like a heart attack on a plate, it's is it not? It's like Let's take no something that's full of calories and make it even more full of make calories. It Fill it with, with saturated fats. Yeah, now that is called a pizza crunch. And uh, you wow. can get it from any good p- uh, fish and chip shop um, anywhere in Scotland. So, yeah, just ask for a pizza. I've never had one. I don't intend to have one. Um, but, but for anybody that doesn't live in Scotland and that's visiting, go and try it. And why don't you let us know what you think of a pizza crunch? Fantastic. Well, Mike... It's been an absolute pleasure today. I've really enjoyed these scenes. I think uh, the story's really moving on now. Uh, I can't wait for the uh, auditions to really kick off and find out how our camp coaches get on and whether they get their uh, get the roles they're looking for and uh, you know what what things are going to be like once they do move into the caravans. So lots of exciting things still to come on the lots of talk. And this being the, the finale of this uh, script, before we, we have a little time jump and we move on to the next portion of the story. So um, tune in for next week for that because uh, we're going we're gonna to be moving things along and introducing some new faces as we go forward into the season. Absolutely. So um, let's do what we always do. 
every episode now, we leave with some of Mike's words of wisdom as a leadership coach, as a, a guide, as a mentor to many. Mike, please give us this week's words of wisdom. My words of wisdom is this. However you take your pizza, however you take your chips, there is no right way or no wrong way. There is only your way. And on that note, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Bad Scripts podcast. Goodbye. Bad Scripts was written and performed by Mike Garlier and Steve Jones. A Beach Tide production.